Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. The following message is titled, Worship Wins, and was spoken by Pastor Gary Keller. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. Let us go into the word of the Lord today, found in Psalm 145, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. There are four I wills in our text. David said, I will extol thee, my God. I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee. I will praise thy name forever and ever. The title of this sermon this morning, Worship Wins, comes from an article I read in the news this week. I will not go into the article, but when I read the caption of said article, it gripped my heart. It it made me go to the Word of God. And I come today to this pulpit to declare to every individual in this room and those who are watching on our website that worship wins. Worship wins. (laughs) Somebody just praise him for a moment. As you are seated, I would remind you that there are four imperatives of worship found in Psalm 96. It is imperative that our worship exalts His name. Psalm 96 and 2, sing unto the Lord, bless His name, show forth His salvation, from day to day. It is of utmost importance that our worship extends his kingdom out into this world and reveals his kingdom to the lost. The next verse, Psalm 96 and 3, declare his glory among the heathen. 
his wonders among all people. Another imperative is found in verse 4. It is crucial. I would say it is necessary that our worship expresses the greatness of our God. For the Lord is great, greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. And then finally, it is paramount that our worship reflects our expectation of the second coming of the Lord according to the 13th verse of the 96th division of Psalm. Before the Lord, for he cometh, he cometh, the Lord's coming back, for he cometh to judge the earth, he shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. So I say today that there rests upon the church, that's you, the ecclesia, the called out, the redeemed, there rests upon the church an incumbent responsibility to worship the Lord Jesus Christ in this house of worship this morning. I would say with the psalmist, let us exalt and bless his holy name right now. Let us extend his kingdom through our life and through our witness to a dying world. Let us express the greatness of our God in the face of the false gods that are trying to control the world around us. And let us bring an expectancy, an expectancy. Sometimes we lose the expectancy of the second coming. Let us bring an expectancy of his coming as we lift up the name of Jesus Christ. You see, when you worship the Lord Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth, and I'll share a scripture that validates that in just a moment. But when you worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, and you truly are a worshiper, I've come to the conclusion, and I wrote this down last night, and I believe it to be true. When you are a worshiper, and you worship the Lord Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth, you don't have time to backslide. You don't have time to be deceived, to walk on in darkness. When you're a worshiper, you don't have time to be cold and indifferent to God. You don't have time to be spiritually dead or to be out of sorts with God, to be crossed up with truth and believe a lie. You don't have time to compromise what you know is right in the sight of God. And notwithstanding, you don't have time to walk away from the Lord Jesus Christ. However, if you are a worshiper, you do have time on this Sunday morning to pause for just a moment and let him know that you love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and everything that's in you. him today and worship him. John chapter 4 verse 23, Jesus said to the woman at the well, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers whoo, at New Life Christian Center shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. 
I guess you could go to the Old Testament and find one of the great stories of a true worshiper in the life of Job. Job was first and foremost a worshiper. He worshiped, and this is, this is how you can decide whether you are a true worshiper or not. Job worshiped God continually. It wasn't just a Wednesday night and a Sunday morning and a prayer meeting. No, you worship God every day. Hallelujah. True worshipers embrace him every day. Love him every day. Lift him up every day. Pray to him every day. Magnify his name every day. When I wake up, I promise you, he's the first thing on my mind. And when I go to, and I'm not trying to be the big spiritual giant, but before I go to bed, the last thing on my mind is the Lord Jesus Christ. I want him on my mind at noon, in the evening, at midnight, in the morning, and afternoon. I want him to know that I am a true worshiper that will continually worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Job 1 and 5 says, and so, and it was so when the days of their feasting were about gone, that Job sent and sacrificed them, talking about the animals, the sacrificial animals that he brought. And he rose up early in the morning and offered according to the number of them all, his children and his wife. And Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. But thus did Job continually. You will see that Job every morning got up, built an altar, worshiped his God, and prayed to his God to cover his family. Thus did Job continually. Now it will serve us all well on this Sunday morning to be aware of Satan's strategy as demonstrated in his assault against Job. If you look at this very carefully, you will note that the first attack of Satan against Job was an attack against his worship to the Lord God Almighty. The first attack that Satan made against Job was not against his health. It was not against his wealth or his good name. It was not against his wife or his children or his friends. The first attack Satan brought against him was not against his possessions. But Satan's first attack against Job was against the one thing that if he could eliminate it, he knew that he could destroy Job. The first attack against Job was against his worship to God. Yet I hear Job declare in so many words, you may touch my substance and you may touch all that I have here on this earth, but you will not touch and you will not control my worship to my God. Let me just say this today, that there's one area where the enemy will attack all of us. It's in our commitment to God. It's in our worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't care so much about your wealth, your health, your things, your family. If he can stop your worship, he'll get all of the above. And Job said this in verse 20, after everything was taken from him, 
after there were no more substances on this earth that he could turn to. Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped. When everything was taken away from him, he said, you might have got it all, but you did not take my hallelujah. You did not take my, I love you, Lord God. You did not take my relationship away from the Lord. And he finally turned and made this statement to Satan. Naked, I came out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. But watch this, blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all of this, Job did not charge God falsely and Job did not sin. I'm just telling you, Worship wins. If you need a victory today, worship the Lord God in spirit and in truth. And watch God turn your situation around this morning before we leave this place. God's looking for worshipers that walked in here and you're ready to declare, though he slay me, yet will I worship him because he is my God and my Savior. The story of Paul and Silas goes like this. I thought that I would tell it. And then I thought, it's better read. And so I'm going to read the story instead of telling the story of Paul and Silas. This is found in Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 16. It came to pass, as Silas and I went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us. It was a demon-possessed woman. She brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, not to the woman, but to the spirit that possessed her, I command thee... In the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And that spirit came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains were gone, the caught, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. They got a bum rap for being Christian, for casting out a devil. Can I tell you, we're in a society today that does not respect what we do and who we are on a lot of fronts. But we're going to pray, preach, sing, shout, bless God anyway. Nothing's going to stop our worship. Does not matter what you have to say about it. We love you, but we're going to continue to worship God regardless of how you mix things up. I better get back to the message. And brought them to the magistrate saying, these men being Jews to exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against Paul and Silas and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded them to be beat. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, 
who having received such a charge, which was not normal, thrust them in the interprison and made their feet fast in stocks. And I just want to pause right here and tell you that when you begin to read this story, two words come to my mind, worship wins. Because even at midnight, in verse 25, and at midnight, Paul and Silas, their backs were laid open. They had been beaten up. They were in stocks and bonds. They were in the innermost dungeon. It was not conducive. It was not a song being sung on the right key. It was not the right person with the lead in the worship song. It wasn't about all of that. It was just two men who counted it themselves worthy to suffer for the mighty name of Jesus. And at midnight, midnight's always a good time to do something different because it's the change of the day. They chose midnight saying this day is going to be behind us. And when the new day comes in, it's going to be a new day for us because we're going to worship God. I wish somebody would buy into that concept of whatever you're going through right now. Let this be your midnight when you look the devil in the eye and say that is behind me. I'm going to worship God. I know I'm still in stocks. I know I'm still in bonds. I know I'm not free yet. But I'm going to worship God because there's something good. There's a, there's a healer coming down my dusty road. There's a brand new beginning. I wish somebody received the word right now. This can be a moment, hallelujah, where God transforms your life and makes you a new creature in Christ Jesus. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. They didn't just pray. They sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. They wasn't keeping this to themselves. They were singing and the prisoners heard them. Hallelujah. And I love verse 26. Mm, when you're in your midnight hour and when you have prayed and when you have worshiped God and you make sure others hear this, you can just mark it down that you've got God's attention. I, the Lord spoke to me a long time ago as a young evangelist, and I'll never forget his words. It was not an audible voice, but it was a word from the Lord, and this is what he said. He said, Gary Keller, don't think for one moment I will ever come from where I'm being worshipped and praised and magnified in heaven to a place where I'm not being worshipped and praised and magnified. If you want me to inhabit your, your space, you've got to worship me. I've never forgotten what God spoke to me as a young man, hallelujah, and from that day until this, anytime I need him, I start singing his song, worshiping his name, praising his power, magnifying him, and without fail, I cannot, you cannot, you cannot truly praise God without him showing up. If you praise him this morning, he's going to kick over heaven and say, get out of my way, angels. There's some people down there in New Life Christian Center that are praising me. Worship wins. Worship still wins. Somebody clap your hands under the Lord and shout with a voice of victory and praise God. Hallelujah. And suddenly when they started worshiping, there was a great earthquake. And here's how powerful the earthquake was. So that the foundations of the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Let me just say this, that a judge, 
a jail, a jailer, a wrong sentence from a corrupt Roman government could not stop the worship of two apostolic men. I don't know about you, but on this Sunday morning, I've made up in my mind, I'm not going to allow anything to stop me, put me in stocks and bonds, put me in the innermost dungeon, try to come against me with depression and oppression and depression and all the feelings that this society is dealing with right now. And we're going to tell you, you've come to the right place because our God will shake the foundation of this house and liberate you and set you free from everything that binds you today. Hallelujah. If you believe that, clap your hands under the Lord and shout with a voice of victory. Worship wins. Worship wins. The day the Lord sent out the 70. Do you remember that story? The story when the Lord sent out 70 of his disciples and followers. It's found in Luke chapter 10, starting at verse number 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and every place, whether he himself would come. Therefore said he unto the 70, the harvest truly is great. The laborers are few. Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. This is what he said. The Lord sent the 70. Watch this carefully. He empowered them to heal the sick. He authorized them to proclaim the kingdom of God. They walked in his authority and his power. They proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah. Hallelujah. And they claimed the earth as God's territory. They refused to back down to anyone or anything. They were on fire. And the 70 reminds me of you, the 21st century church. The church has been empowered by the Holy Ghost. According to Acts 1 and 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Now watch this carefully. The 70 were given divine instructions. Go ye into the great harvest. A harvest field of lost souls. Trust God in all things. Remember you will be going out as sheep among wolves. Go without a purse, a script, or even shoes. You will, you will have to trust me on this is what the Lord was saying to them. Proclaim the peace of God on the earth. Now let's fast forward and look as the 70 return to the Lord from their first ministerial mission. When you see them coming back, this is what unfolds. In verse 17, and the 70 returned again, saying with joy, saying, even devils are subject unto us through thy name. Woo. Lord, you sent us out. You gave us your authority. You gave us your power. You gave us your anointing. 
We cast out devils. We heal. They come back excited. They excited. The 70 turn again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us. Watch this. Entire cities were turned upside down by their ministry of God's word. Devils were subject to them. Demons were, were, were cast out and people were set free. The sick were healed. The lost were converted. Everything that could go right went right. And they were given glory to God. They returned again with joy, worshiping, praising God. They were worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. And any time, listen to me carefully, any time you serve the Lord by doing his will, you are worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, not only with your words, but with your actions. Now, here's a scripture I, I, I looked at on many occasions and I thought, Lord, the 70 returned again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And it almost looks like it's a condescending statement that the Lord makes to them. And I always kind of felt like, what, what's going on here? There, not, there has to be something unfold from the scripture. And Jesus said unto them, I know, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. He was not ridiculing them. He was not intimidating them. This statement may seem to be out of place, but he was not trying to eclipse their experience. He was not trying to intimidate, intimidate the 70. Take a close look at the verse and it will explain what Jesus truly meant. If you look at that verse, he uses the verb fall. The verb fall is in the imperfect tense. This tense means, oh Lord have mercy, I'm going to shout. This tense means a continuing action that takes place as in past time. It refers to an event that took place, but it also refers to an ongoing event that is taking place. And Jesus was not criticizing them. He was simply saying, I told you what I did, you're going to do. Not only that, but greater things than these are you going to do. It's not about Jesus intimidating them saying, well, I saw Satan fall. No, he said, I started this a long time ago and I'm empowering you to keep it going because you know how to worship me and love me. I'm going to anoint everything that you do and the devil cannot stop you. I've already beheld him fall. Now you're beholding him falling. I'm going to tell you right now, you've got the authority. New Life Christian Center has the authority to stand up against every adversary. Jesus was informing his disciples that what happened when they returned with their victory report and this is what he was saying and informing his disciples that every time you worship me Satan falls he fell a long time ago hallelujah and he fell when you went out with my anointing he was not criticizing them he was saying see I told you I told you I'm going to give you authority and power. In my name, you'll cast out devils. In my name, you'll lay hands on the sick. In my name, if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. If you in my name, you shall, you shall take up serpents and it will not harm you. It's in my name. When you go in my name, when you worship in my name, when you trust my name, I'm telling you right now that what I did a long time ago and kicked him out of heaven, you've got the authority to kick him out of your family. You've got the authority to kick him out of your church, out of your ministry, out of your food. Some 
Somebody got to get a hold of this today. God has given you the authority. If you'll worship him in spirit and in truth, he will empower you to look the devil in the eye and say, get under my feet. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. So, as you worship the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, whoo, Satan will be defeated again. When you worship the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus is going to be applied again in this service. When you worship the Lord Jesus Christ, victory will be yours again. When you worship the Lord Jesus Christ, the devil becomes powerless again. When you worship the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan is weakened and rendered without power. Every time you worship him, Lucifer falls again. Worship wins every time. Watch. Watch this. 1 John chapter 3, verse number 8. Praise God. Hallelujah. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. Think about this. The devil sinned when there wasn't even a devil to tempt him to sin. What kind of loser is that? For the purpose of the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And he's going to destroy those works through his apostolic last day church. John chapter 12, the second part of verse 31 and all of verse 32. Now shall the prince of this world, Satan, now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. You're looking at one. I have already decided I'm going to lift him up. I'm going to lift him up because if I do and if you do and if we do, he's going to draw men unto him. What happens when we worship the prince of this world is cast out again. He's a three-time loser. He lost in heaven. He lost when he came to this earth to challenge Jesus Christ's earthly ministry. And he's losing in this hour to those who are sold out to be apostolic worshipers of him. Mm -hmm. 27. The Psalm. The sixth, one through six verses. Psalm 27, one through six. Y'all got awful quiet. This is a good scripture. Mm, I'm trying to sing it. It's a song. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked... Even my enemies and my foes came up on me to eat my flesh. They stumbled and fell. Though a host should camp against me, my heart 
shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will praise my Lord. I'm going to praise him. Though a foe rise against me, try to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Why? Because I found the secret. Worship wins. When I worship him, I worship him because his word is true. I'm going to try to give somebody in the closing moments of this message a reason to worship him this morning. Hallelujah. I worship him because his word is true. His motives are pure. His love is real. His ways are just. His name is holy. His heart is kind. His grace is sufficient. His burden is light. His rest is satisfying. His yoke is easy. His promises are pure. His power is unlimited. His mercy is great. His salvation is free. His victory is complete. His blessings are many. His touch is refreshing. His joy is unspeakable. His sentence is precious. His spirit is quickening. His assurance is comforting. His ears, ears are attentive. His hands are outstretched. His eyes are compassionate. His works are righteous. His miracles are matchless. And his name is powerful. Somebody ought to praise him today. Praise God. I'm finished. Musicians, come on up. Let's go back to our text. Psalm 145, verse 1, 2, 3, and 4. I will extol thee, O God, my God, O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee. And I will praise thy name forever. Great is the Lord. Greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. I've always wanted to bring a stick to the pulpit. Praise God. Hallelujah. His greatness is unsearchable. Here's my whole sermon. I'm finally getting to it. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. Brother Mason, would you stand?
Hallelujah. And now, Brother Mason, would you be seated? I just wanted everybody to see who you are. Your grandparents, then your parents, then you, then Crystal, then Josh, then Olivia. Six generations, members of this church, brings me back to Psalm 145 and verse number four. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. Brother Gibbs, you got to help me right here. Come on up here. I need you to hold this microphone because I can't hold this and this and worship the way I'm fixing to worship. So hold that mic right there. If I move, I'll come back to it. Hallelujah. Go with me now. This kind of feels good. Praise God. <laughs> Go with me now to your Old Testament. And do you remember Joseph? Coat of many colors. Sold into slavery. Potiphar's house. Prison. Palace. Vice president of Egypt. Remember that story? His brothers come back. Sure enough, the prophecy and the dreams that he had were fulfilled. And he has married an Egyptian. He has two sons that are half-breeds, Manasseh and Ephraim. And he wants them to know truth. So he brings his father in. And says, Daddy Jacob, I want you to bless Ephraim, which means to be fruitful in the land of your affliction. I want you to bless Manasseh. I want them to have what I had. I want them to have what you had. Abraham, Isaac, and you. I want them to have what my grandfather father and great-grandfather had I want it passed on to this next generation and so Joseph brings Ephraim and Manasseh and stands them before their grandfather and this is what your holy writ says in Hebrews chapter 11 by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped leaning upon the top of his staff. He said, I may be old, but I want my grandsons to know that the God that I worship I may be dying. I may be an old man. But you look here, Manasseh and Ephraim. Your answer does not come from Egypt. It comes from the Lord God, Jehovah. And I'm going to show you how to worship him. Even when I'm dying, I'm going to lean on this staff and worship God. Does not our text say from one generation, one generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. 
Come on, somebody. Get up on your feet. I'm not, don't stand. Come on, somebody. Get up on your feet. Grab your staff. Make up in your mind that this next generation is going to have a relationship with God just like you had. And it's going to be demonstrated. I thank God for the wonderful young people of this church that know how to lead us in worship and lead us in praise. Praise God. You know why? Because there's some wonderful saints of God in this church that have never lost their worship and have never lost their praise and have never lost their relationship with God. The reason, the reason why this church is what it is for almost, well, since 1932. The reason why we are coming up on our 90th birthday is because we've been to the mountain. We've been to the valley. We've had great days. We've had terrible days. We've had good and bad, beautiful and ugly, dark and light but you look around you. You look around at those you worship with. Some of them are first-generation Pentecostals, and they love God with all of their heart. Some of them are sixth-generation Pentecostals. They love God with all of their heart. How, why is that? Because we got, some, we got some staff leaners. We got some staff leaners that even when they don't feel like it, they're going to get on their staff and they're going to praise God and they're going to work. They might even be dying, but they made up in their mind. This is so important that I'm going to lean on my staff and I'm going to worship my God. It's not about my current circumstance. It's about the God that I'm serving and worshiping on this Sunday morning. And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, Leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.